you guys seen that uh, um, like commercial from McDonald's? I don't know if it's fake or not, but there's like a huge billboard with McDonald's brand saying, hey, crypto bros, we are hiring. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Nice. It's exciting. I might give him a call. The crypto bro that I am. <laughs> GM listener, and welcome to the 25th roundtable of the Metacast. I'm your host, Nico, and today I'm joined by Anton Goretzky, Mika Ahonen, and Matej Lancharic. And today we are discussing uh, Invest Games gaming industry deal reports. Our next topic is brands are getting into games and virtual worlds. And on our third topic, we're discussing Facebook slash Meta's uh, haptic glove technology, which is really cool. And finally, we're doing some bold predictions about games industry deals. Are we going to see continued growth or not? Uh, I guess uh, we'll, we'll know at, at the end. Um, but before that, uh, one very important mention that I have is that Matej is back on the show and Matej now has a one-year-old daughter. Well, one-year-old, I, I really hope so. It's one month. Oh, uh, one so, month. So. Excuse me. <laughs> Might imagine if you <laughs> well, had me done for a year. So one Ooh. month. Yeah. Congrats, man. Thanks. Uh, it's been very, well, tough, challenging, uh, but also rewarding. Mm. I mean, the first two weeks were just... I don't know, terrible. Mm. <laughs> I didn't sleep that much. Yeah. My eyes hurt. I felt like Steve Buscemi for some time, but now it's, <laughs> it's, def it's definitely better. We are getting used to each other. Nice. So it's nice, Good. yeah. Congrats. Nice to be back. Thanks. Good, man. How are things with you, Anton? It's also been a while. Um, yeah, thank you guys. And thank you for um, giving us some time for the report and for discussing that. I'm okay. It's uh, finally minus uh, a minus temperature in Moscow. So it's uh, actually winter. So you guys are most welcome mm. to visit Moscow in December. It's amazing. Uh, you got to enjoy that. You will enjoy that. So please, everyone, everyone who listens to the oh, Metacast. <laughs> it's like five degrees here in in Bratislava and I'm feeling like I'm freezing, really. So Man, I can't wait for minus temperatures. Do you here. guys see how I'm here? So I have, I have this sweater. Yeah. Another sweater. And then I have oh, my, Jesus. I'm, have I'm, you guys I'm heard about myself. central heating? <laughs> I'm, I'm just, yeah, long story. I'm, I'm, too, I'm too cheap for that stuff. You know, I, oh, I hate wasteful energy expenditure. Yeah, that's, that's crypto for <laughs> you. <laughs> dude, dude I'll, 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 like, I'll pay $200 for gas fees on Ethereum, no problem. But I won't put on my heater because I can just wear another sweater. I think you need some mining, mining rigs to, to heat up your home. Actually, that's that's a good idea. It's like a win-win, you know. Have you guys seen that uh, um, like commercial from McDonald's? I don't know if it's fake or not, but there's like a huge billboard with McDonald's brand saying, "Hey, crypto bros, we are hiring." <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Nice. I'm nice. sorry if that offends anyone. <laughs> of course not. It's exciting. I might give him a call. <laughs> crypto bro that I am. All right, uh, we have Mika as well. How are you doing, man? Yeah, thanks for having me, uh, Nico. Uh, good, just good. I mean. Uh, we're not yet at the Moscow levels of cold. I think it's like zero, but... No way. No, I don't believe you. The sun is out in Helsinki. <laughs> nice. The sun is out today. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's a rare. Yeah, yeah, this is today. Uh, next time it's going to be maybe in, in, in April. Also, uh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's out and it's going to be out for like three more hours and then like at 2 p.m. it, it becomes dark. Three yeah. more minutes, more or less. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty, pretty much. But, pretty but, much, but yeah. you know, when there's a rare occurrence of something nice... When it does happen, then you're super happy. So, exactly. so, so I'm That's happy it. about that. Yep, still making games, slowly heading towards 2022, 20, I guess. Exciting. You know what I did this weekend? I played another game. It's been a while. I've been, uh, I've been playing, uh, I don't know, I, I wasn't really playing games, but I downloaded Ruined King. So last week we discussed uh, Riot's new game, Ruined King, that came out last mm -hmm. Wednesday or Tuesday. So I downloaded it, played it a lot. It's, uh, it's really fun. Um, it's uh, yeah. it's really cool. It's yeah. Is it is it also MOBA? No, it's it's single player. Ooh. It's like a, a uh, so it's like an RPG and it's like a turn based uh, combat system where you like you choose you have like three three uh, champions that you control and you choose which actions they take and there's like this All innovative right. lane system where you can you can uh, you can do like put your action or your attack in like a powered lane in the speed lane in the balance lane and that will def decide like when. Uh, it will be used uh, compared to your enemies and stuff. Um, it's uh, yeah, it's been fun. 
Well, if this was a, a bonus segment, pitch your um, dream game, I'm not convinced, Nico. No, but I mean, <laughs> okay. It doesn't have any blockchain stuff, so I can't just ah, be okay, super okay, hyped about it. You I know? got it. That, that's a problem. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, cool. Um, yeah, so so let's dive in, right? Uh, first topic was going to be Invest Games Gaming Industry Deals Report. Um, and uh, who, who better than Anton to give us a brief overview uh, of that? Anton, the floor is yours. Yeah, thank you guys so much for that. And it's true, we've been a little bit late with that this time. So it's the middle of November. Uh, but yeah, as usual, we covered all the global gaming deals with our team at InvestGame. And uh, the recent report covered the first nine months of 2021. So the next one is going to be for the whole year. Uh, so looking forward to that as well. And um, you guys can all find that at investgame.net and uh, also at Novik website because uh, the guys helped us to cover that as well. And uh, I'm not going to dive deep into all the numbers because that's going to sound boring. But there are several things that stood out to, to me personally mm. and to the team. We are mostly fascinated by the fact that the overall deals activity, uh, again, for the first nine months of 2021, presented us with more deals uh, than in the full 2020. So it was actually 667 deals oh. against... 6364 deals so it's three deals more than in the full year uh 2020-20 and uh one more number i'm sorry nico <laughs> but together uh these deals brought 72 percent uh more in value than again the full previous year so it was actually 57 nearly 58 billion dollars uh against 33 and a half billion dollars for the full previous year. And obviously all categories grew. So M&As uh, grew three times, public offerings grew two times, and private investments also grew two times. The second thing that stood out to the team, and we like expressed that in the executive summary, is that even though all categories grew year over year, M&As and public activity a bit slowed down in the third quarter. So the rally that's been happening for the last uh, year uh, actually stopped a bit. And that does not necessarily mean that things are turning bad for the industry. And we expect the fourth quarter to, again, break some records. But still, uh, we see some, one might call it uh, correction on the market which mostly affected public activity, of course. Um, yeah, and the third thing, and uh, I believe Nico's going to be happy about it, is that the biggest hype, tra hype train right now is obviously blockchain gaming. And the third quarter alone got an outstanding $1 billion plus dollars, of course, deal value across just 16 deals. And the whole nine months mm. gave us one billion point five dollars, which is outstanding three thirty-four x growth year over year. So just imagine uh, what what the market saw last year against what it saw this year, and still keeps seeing. So obviously, the investor interest in the potential future of blockchain games cannot be any more obvious. And I'm not going to dive deep into that. I'm just going to quote what uh, Navic boys uh, have said in our report. Again, they helped us with the blockchain section. Uh, so overall, it's quite clear that the company is commanding the largest funding rounds, which, as all of you know, are so rare. So rare. Right. All right. Dapper Labs, uh, Forte, uh, and all of those guys are the ones who are seizing the moment to build platform layers on which the future of blockchain games could live. Uh, and uh, a peculiar thing is that companies purely focused on building a blockchain game are getting significant attention as well, but check sizes are way smaller. And the absolute biggest takeaway is that blockchain gaming has clearly arrived and you may count that as a bold prediction or not that bold a prediction, but the next two or three years of building will be pivotal for the future of both blockchain and gaming as a whole. Cool. Interesting. Thanks, man. 
first question that when I was was looking at it. So um, wait. So I'm going to go back to the number of IPOs that happened in Q3, and it was someone like so in Q2 there were 18, and Q3 there were, there were only four. Right. And you're saying that you expect that to increase again in the next quarter. Uh, I was actually I was actually talking about M and A's and private deals. Okay. As for uh, public offerings, yeah, we saw only four deals. However, the third quarter has presented us with the biggest IPO of the year, mm. which is the twice postponed three point seventy five billion dollar IPO of uh, Crafton, the creator of PUBG. Um, yeah, so the rally stopped, and we saw a significant drop in the number of deals. Yeah, but we actually saw the trend, like uh, the trend of slowing down in the second quarter. So it's not it's not like it's a huge surprise. And what we think about that is uh, we currently see the turbulent times for the industry leaders because first, after the booming twenty twenty, we obviously see some corrections. So more people mm. are uh, like uh, getting out and maybe playing less games, and uh, also many public gaming companies experiencing. Uh, a share price decline, like uh, Playtica, for example, after the recent report. So yeah, gaming as a whole has some correction, and that's all right. That's totally okay, because on the other hand, we also saw less M&A deals, but uh, we already know that there are 26 M&A announced deals to be closed, uh, most probably in the fourth quarter. And among them, are, for example, Netmarble acquiring Spinax games for more than $2 billion. And the Sumo Group acquisition will be closed by Tencent, also more than a billion dollars. So it's not like the industry is getting poorer. It's just that to me personally, uh, M&As and private investments are all about the future. And the future of gaming is obviously bright. Uh, while public deals are mostly about the present, the present state of the market is not like super exciting, as exciting as it was last year. So that's basically the reason we see less public deals right now. But again, um, one should not think that uh, it's going to be worse. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, I personally believe that. Mm. I think it also goes back to the availability of capital. Uh, in some ways, it's a good time to be an early stage company. Uh, when capital is cheap, like it has been for a while now, uh, more early. Well, I saw Lightheart uh, Entertainment in the in that report. Yeah, thanks for uh, thanks for uh, thanks for the mention, <laughs> and, and I noticed it as well. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. But yeah, when when capital is cheap, like it has been for a while, uh, more early businesses can cross the threshold of funding, and lots of this cheap capital is rooted into various VC funds, mm -hmm. and like going public. Like traditionally, you would go public when you need access to capital. If you have access to capital without going public, you might forego going public and get capital in other means. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so, uh, Matei, Mika, listening to this, what, what stood out to you? What did you find surprising, if, if anything? Well, uh, it was interesting to see that Tencent was the main contributor uh, with 10 mm. closed deals. Uh, it was really nice. Uh, to see, and also the mobile segment. Uh, well, it said that contributed almost ninety-seven percent of the total deal value. Mobile still not dead. That's amazing. <laughs> Doesn't matter what all the crypto bros say, you know. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, for me it was definitely far from being dead. Uh, for me, it was like just the sheer magnitude of it. I don't think there's been a year like this ever before in in games. Um, I remember when I started writing for the Master the Meta newsletter. And I thought that surely it'll be hard to find interesting news blurbs for every single week. <laughs> but it turns out there is an abundance of topics, like just in the m and space, there's like, feels like there's at least one uh, 100 million plus acquisition every week. Mm. So, I mean, my contributions to the newsletter have been mostly about just that, mm. uh, the, the, the high profile m and deals. No, it's just never a dull moment in, in gaming. Come on. <laughs> Every week there is something new, a bomb that's, mm -hmm. uh, that's dropping. So uh, there you go. Embracer, mm -hmm. Embracer just had the quarter report and they have announced that they're going to complete 37 deals. Um, <laughs> oh my God. Uh, until the financial year ends. So like uh, they have yet another quarter to do that. 
And you guys are uh, so right with that because when we started Invest Game last summer, we were like, mm, okay, so, oh wow, there's a huge deal happening like once a month. We should probably cover that on our website. And now we're like, oh dude, every week, several deals are happening and some of them are super huge. And now you have all those incredible um, series B rounds of like 680 million for So Rare and 725 millions for um, mythic, uh, mythical games, if I'm not mistaken. So you're like, wow, so yeah. much is happening right now. Yeah, and then you have the, the report about 667 deals closed. <laughs> yeah. That's a, that's a, not, not a small number. Yeah. Yeah. You didn't sign up for that last year. And I was like, fuck, so much work, man. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Anton, I have, I have a, a quick question. Sure. Um, about the, uh, about the report, like who, who is actually the, the target audience of, of this report? Oh, um, judging by their reaction at the, you know, by you guys and, um, like by, mm -hmm. uh, industry professionals on LinkedIn and some, Slacks and um, Discords, and also by our colleagues, and also by our communication with VC funds uh, mm -hmm. that are, well, to be honest, uh, some of them are very eager when it comes to the VC rating, as mm -hmm. you may have noticed, we have that as well. Could, could you could you could you tell us who is number one? Uh, <laughs> 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 yeah, uh, for the last. Several quarters. Uh, I'm not sure about last year, but uh, this year, obviously, number one is Bitcraft. Hmm. So yeah, we communicate communicate with the guys as well, and everybody is. I know some VC funds who are like, "All right, um, we're like number seven, but we're gonna go up next quarter. So please, guys, like, let's connect, let's connect, let's stay in touch. So we make sure that all of the deals that we have closed or announced are uh, taken into account." Yeah, and so um, VC funds obviously is uh, one type of the audience and some other industry professionals as well. Uh, it's mostly B2B, mostly the guys who are on the deal side of the industry, like on the forefront, because when we were pitching uh, to each other, mostly the, the project, we were thinking that, all right, so we have this gaming industry, which is huge and super exciting and... Uh, something always happens there but what's actually on the forefront of that like all right we have the like the the game design and g uh, gaming production and uh monetization and uh user acquisition and all of that but what's happening first and foremost is the deal activity because uh much of the market is affected by that and is defined by that and so yeah, that still seems to be true for us. Mm -hmm. I think, by the way, like uh, another takeaway from the report is the the kind of two standout venture capital funds, uh, Bitcraft and Galaxy. Uh, not just that they were number one and two, but I think it's quite remarkable because both are kind of re uh, relatively new in the space, and it's uh, it's not easy to build a deal flow from scratch. Mm. Uh, Obviously, you don't build it from scratch, you build it with connections, but you still have a lot to catch up from, from the, the guys that have been there for, for a longer time with their funds. So, so that's kind of quite impressive from those two. Okay, now, yeah, um, so we already discussed what we expect to happen in the next quarter of this year, but now I'd like to you know, extend the outlook to, let's say, uh, you know, 2022. Um, how do you guys see this evolve? Uh, for example, I can imagine that, you know, um, Facebook's or Meta's moves might have sparked more interest in, you know, gaming in general um, and virtu virtual worlds and, and everything that can facilitate the metaverse. How do you look at that? Do you think, um, you know, there's a way where you can say, okay, we're just at the beginning of this, but there's like, I can, you, you can probably make an argument that we're in the dot-com bubble of, of the metaverse as well, right? So uh, I'd like to have your thoughts on this. What do you think, uh, Mika? Yeah. So I guess to, I guess to reflect a little bit on, on our own, own company. So we make free-to-play games for mobile. And when we raised our seed two years ago, studios like us weren't so hot anymore at that point even. Uh, I think it's even more so right now. So if, if you're trying to raise uh, like with content uh, without the metrics, it's probably going to be pretty hard to do the race. 
um, and uh, venture capital is a lot about hype, right? Um, good business proposals, great teams, that's evergreen. But the venture capital <laughs> hype cycle isn't evergreen. So you kind of want to time your your company well. So so if you want to found something uh, about blockchain, you should do it now and you should hurry because there's a chance that next year it's not going to be as good a time, right? Uh, so next year it could be something else. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's, it's, it's going to be hardware companies yeah. uh, or something else related to, to metaverse or whatever. But like, uh, sometimes maybe it, it makes sense to, to look at the current hype and, yeah. and take advantage of it. And so in, in conclusion, what do you think happens next year? So you said, okay, if you're raising raise now, it's probably a good time. Yeah, if, if you're doing, doing blockchain stuff, I think you should raise immediately, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think next year there's going to be some new thing. Uh, so because usually the cycles are not that uh, long in venture capital. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. But I don't know yeah. what it's going to be. Uh, but if I can make a wild guess, maybe it's it's going to be like back to basics and hardware companies. That's like a stupid prediction, but you, you, you want to do stupid predictions. Nice. Hey. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You know. You know. We love our bold yeah. predictions that can be provably provably wrong in in a short time frame. Perfect. Love it. Good. And Anton, how do you see this evolving? Twenty twenty two. Yeah. Um, I kind of agree with what Mika uh, has just said, <laughs> but um, um, I I I think that my bold prediction. Sorry, that it's not at the end of the episode, but I think that twenty twenty two will actually provide us with a hundred billion dollar deal value cumulative for like all the all the deals happening in the industry and I also think that uh, so we have these uh, these four categories describing all the markets uh, which are gaming like gaming per se which is like games and you know consoles and are like hardware, and all of that. And we also have uh, platform and tech, which uh, lists blockchain, among others. We have esports, which is traditionally like the smallest part, and other, which has like anything else that um, does not count as the former three. So I'm pretty sure that while gaming uh, usually occupies like 75 to maybe 80% of the deal value, it's going to decline a bit next year, uh, mostly due to blockchain. And uh, I do not really think that next year won't be as uh, exciting for blockchain gaming as it is this year. And I think that even bigger rounds are going to happen, at least in the first half of 2022. So yeah, that's, that, that's, that's what I think, basically, that uh, first the uh, the total deal value will exceed uh 100 billion dollars and second that the gaming part of that is going to shrink a bit cool all right so matei what is your um what are your thoughts how do you see um the gaming industry deals evolving over the next year so in 2022 what do you think well not sure if i'm uh, that bullish uh on the on the deal value but i can i can give you my bold prediction actually if you want if if you want to hear it's not about the the value but since i uh, well i'm based in slovakia and i'm from slovakia obviously um i'm still waiting for uh for someone to buy pixel federation or uh, do a <laughs> any activity here because well nordius was bought or uh, acquired um some time ago and it's uh it's pretty evident that uh, everybody's buying um, companies around us. So I'm really waiting for this to happen here. So I'm predicting Pixel Federation will get acquired, not sure next year, but the, the year after for some like, well, let's see, around like 2 million, 200 or 300 million as a, as a total value of the of the deal. And I would be happy to see that happening. I can imagine. Yeah, that'd be great. Finally, something happened. Finally, something happened here in Slovakia as well. Cool. All right. Um, Awesome. So basically, you guys already gave your bold predictions, so we can we don't have to do that by the end, I guess. But Mika, you didn't give really give yours, right? (laughs) No, I can give mine actually. I I I I have one. Good. I think the IPO craze is over. So next twelve months, we won't see any more high-profile IPOs in gaming. 
because it we just run out of companies that <laughs> will do it. I I know of some that are in the works that are that I consider high profile. Uh, I won't share them here, but uh, yeah, is, uh, yeah, okay. But it's not a bold it's it's not a bold prediction if I say there yeah, will be just fair. a few. So I would rather be bolder and wrong than. Yeah. Uh, I love it, man. Yeah. That that's what I want you guys to do. I mean, I there's too many caveats usually. So really, I, I love it. I, I love words like never and zero. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, that's exactly. what we're going for. Cool. Yeah. No half yeah. measures. <laughs> All right. Awesome. So um, yeah, those were the so that was the IG uh, Invest Game D report. Thanks for that, Anton. Great. Next topic: Brands are getting into games. So last week we had Jan on, and whenever we had have Jan on, we usually tend to uh, to talk or have him talk about <laughs> about Roblox because uh, he loves it, and I mean he he's he's very inspiring, and uh, I honestly agree. We talked about <laughs> how great uh, Roblox was doing. And now we got news that Roblox and Nike have partnered to bring a new sports-based experience, Nike Land, on the platform. So Nike Land will feature buildings and fields based on Nike's headquarter, including detailed arenas with various mini-games like Tag, The Floor is Lava, and Touchball. And so players will be rewarded with blue ribbons and gold medals for competing. Um, and they can dress their Nike Land avatar in iconic Nike products and display them in their own digital showroom. And through the Nike Land Toolkit, creators can design their own mini-games from interactive sports materials. And one notable uh, feature in Nike Land that I found is that there's a, a connection to the real world. So you can actually connect your phone and you can use the accelerometer um, of your phone to jump in the game when you jump in real life, right? So if you jump a lot in real life, and I guess you can cheat by throwing your phone or something, but anyway, uh, that should be, you should be able to connect that stuff uh, to, the, to the game. And so um, I thought, you know, this, this, I don't want to talk particularly about, you know, this. Go ahead, Mika, what do you want to say? That, that specific feature sounds like very bad gameplay experience. <laughs> what do you have, like people like flying around 30 meters, people complaining that they broke their phone because they want to beat the record and, you know. Um, anyway, so uh, I'd like to, to discuss a bit, like just brands going into 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 gaming because I think a lot of big brands saw, you know, Meta Meta's announcements, Mark Zuckerberg saying that they're building the Metaverse. They finally realized the potential. They believe it's going to be built. And now they're, you know, finding out a strategy on, on how to, you know, be be in the metaverse, right? Um, and here we see Nike partnering with Roblox to do that. Um, Matej, you shared with us that you're working on something similar. C could you share a bit more on that? It's, yeah, it's not the, very similar, but it's, uh, it's mainly about native advertising in games. Um, these days, uh, when the, the IDFA well, happened uh, this year, it's, uh, developers are trying to get some more um, opportunities how to increase uh, the revenue. And the native advertising is kind of like nice uh, way how to do it. Uh, you need to have a game for that, obviously. Mm. But, Wait, can, uh, you, can you define native advertising for us? Well, you can, you can imagine that as a, let's say, as a billboard in the game, for example. Let's say that way. And I'm seeing a pretty good um, amount of uh, campaigns or deals happening in, in this space, um, especially now when there's Q4, which is a very high demand for the brands to to advertise and get uh, more uh, more revenues and more, uh, well, not players, but well, uh, players as well um, to, you know, because of to, to their brand to, to buy something because of the Black Friday, Christmas and stuff like that. So. So if you, for example, Mika, if you imagine like having a, a native advertising in the in um, in Mr. Out of Fire, uh, you know, in the first level or first two levels when the players are repeating that all over again, um, it's actually pretty pretty nice uh, placement to have because well, obviously a lot of players are are there. They see the they see the um, the campaigns and you are getting uh, additional revenues. Yeah, I think like native advertising has it, it has it's been around for a while, right? Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, not that used, uh, so definitely underserved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think we're seeing now smaller and bigger companies trying to solve the problems related to the scalability of it, um, because typically it's like a cool feature, but hard to scale. Uh, so, so then it hasn't gotten widespread. Um, could, could you elaborate on, on on why it's hard to scale? It's seasonal. It's it's really um, if you have well now Q4 is is amazing, but then Q1 it's not that lucrative anymore because uh, well a lot of brands just stopped spending that much money mm. before you know the Christmas and then Black Friday and everything like that. So uh, the demand slows. 
and 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 typically like like we had a we had it in Angry Birds too at Rovio. So we had like a sponsored power up, which is which is actually pretty cool. Mm. Uh, it's like easily reskin the pull power up. So you have a deal with Coke or whatever. You reskin the power up to be a Coke can, and it works. Mm. So so it was like a smart way to do that. Uh, but then again, at Rovio we had like uh, the whole internal ad team, ad sales, all of that. So you typically need a little bit of more uh, infrastructure to pull it off. Um, and I think like what we're seeing now is 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 companies trying to solve that. So even uh, with uh, without like an internal ad sales team, you could pull off native advertising. Yeah, you could see you could see the Roblox uh, doing this even before the the Nike land. I mean, the, it was really interesting to see the the Gucci Garden, which which happened in May. That's <laughs> really like surreal. I was like, what? How is this like happening? But then, uh, you know, this is not the first uh, thing that companies are doing. And then there's the um, the Barbary um, outfits in in honor of kings, then Balenciaga in in Fortnite as well. Louis Vuitton in uh, in League of Legends. It's like amazing how these things happen. But I don't under- don't quite understand like why is it happening for like these type of audiences. I mean, seriously, if you if you think about Balenciaga having their um, um, their brand in in Fortnite, like how the Fortnite typical player can afford the Balenciaga Fortnite uh, T-shirt or 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 whatever else. Do you think that's like a performance-driven ad deal or something that? Uh... Is more traditional B two B. Hey, let's do a cool thing together. Yeah, probably let's uh, let's do a cool thing together B two B because you know w- the typical Fortnite player is what like under eight, 18, give or take. When I was eighteen, I can't imagine buying a Balenciaga T shirt for eight hundred bucks. Is it that expensive? Yeah, well, it was like eight hundred to one thousand for for a hoodie, I think. So <laughs> it's not cheap. Definitely not cheap. Yeah, yeah. I, I was just thinking that on one hand, you guys are absolutely right, but on the other hand, um, that's uh, exactly the thing that car manufacturers are doing with esports. Obviously, the people who are esport fans and who uh, who do esports and play and watch streamers, most of them, like the majority of them, cannot afford. BMW or Mercedes or whatever, mm-hmm. but um, you guys might have seen. I've sent you the link, uh, uh, or, or we can put it in the podcast description with uh, with an article which lists all uh, the recent collaborations of uh, the car manufacturers with esport brands. And since they do that, uh, there's obviously a reason behind that, and that is ingraining. Uh, the young minds with mm-hmm. the brand awareness. You, they don't really have to buy it now. They don't really have to buy it this season. They really have to constantly uh, associate the brand with being cool, with uh, you know being always on the verge of things. And as for native advertising, I've just came up with an idea that it's, uh, it very much resembles what happened in media uh, in the media business several years ago when, um, you know, the banner ads in the articles, in the news. So first, they've been cut by things like Adblock more and more. And second, uh, like people and the audience, they were they became increasingly blind to the banner ads. And so native advertising was all the hype back in like 2015, maybe, when everybody was like, all right, we have to merge the actual content, the editorial content with uh, what the brand is trying to, 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 to convey to the, the, with the message of the brand. Mm-hmm. And funny thing, uh, judging by, way, by what Mate uh, has said, pretty much the same thing is right now happening in games, especially in mobile games, because, all right, we have seen what Apple has done to IDFA, and now uh, mm-hmm. I'm increasingly hearing about the companies like Anzu, for example, which are putting the native advertising inside the games. Like, yep. for example, you have this loading screen before the match, before the uh, before the PvP match, and there's a, there is your team, like that's a PvP shooter. Mm-hmm. And while you are waiting for the match to, to you know, to, to get started, you see <laughs> the little screen on 
uh, on whatever, on the in-game TV or whatever, uh, with the other game commercial. And that's the thing that is not yet regulated. And this is cool. And also, uh, there are some audio advertising companies. I'm not sure about the name, but they're putting the audio ads inside mobile games so that you can listen to them while you play. Yeah, I'm pretty, I'm pretty happy you brought this up because I definitely think uh, next year uh, the audio um, advertising is going to grow pretty rapidly. I, uh, you mentioned uh, the, the companies. It's, it's, I think it's uh, Audio Mob which raised quite significant amount of money and then there's Audio yeah. which is also in this space. So uh, there are a couple of companies that are doing this and uh, well, let's see next year. But uh, in, in terms of the native, it's definitely um, very similar to, to seeing interstitials in the game, but the native is definitely less intrusive than the, those interstitials. It's not like it's uh, it's bothering you and preventing you from game, game from playing the game. It's it's there. You can see it uh, while uh, waiting for a match to happen, or is it somewhere there as a, as a billboard in the game? So you see, um, and that's it. You can play. Yeah, but I mean, if you if you solve the scalability of the ad placement problem, you still have the 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 other problem to solve, which is uh, to compete with direct response. Uh, you kind of need need to be able to uh, get an action and measure that action. Uh, but arguably, all of these are solvable problems. Mm. And I mean, like the original question by Nico, like, will brands follow Nike? I think eventually all advertising money will follow people's engagement time, but sometimes with a significant delay. Um, so if kids spend their time on Fortnite or Roblox instead of Facebook, I mean, eventually the advertisers will follow. Mm -hmm. But it took, it took like five years of, of delayed uh, spent allocation for uh, brand advertisers to go from TV to desktop web and to mobile web. So. Uh, so, so it's it, uh, some of that money is surprisingly uh, slow to react. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can also imagine that the, the the major advertisers or the major brands today are not the well the. I mean, the kids that are playing games today are not interested in these major brands like Gucci, for example, right? Like, yeah. of the people that are playing Fortnite. Who would the hell would like want anything Gucci, right? Oh, maybe their their parents. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not sure about that, guys. Uh, young people are very. Do you like Gucci, Anton? Uh, no, but I'm like 31. <laughs> I'm, uh, <laughs> Dude, I'm like 30 years. I'm not uh, uh, like a target for, uh, Fortnite audience, I guess. But um, uh, from what I see, young people are actually kind of excited about all of that stuff. And you always see these uh, musicians uh, popular among young people who are, they are covered in this stuff like Gucci or you name it, whatever brand. Guys, we are so old. So We're they, so old. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah sure. Yeah. <laughs> when you are showing your brands from everywhere, from every like um, for whatever game, Fortnite, Roblox, Minecraft, whatever, uh, eventually, uh, when you grow up, like from five years from now, ten years from now, that's gonna come back to you if the, the brand still exists. Oh well, uh, of course. Well, Gucci probably won't get bankrupt, so. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, and that is exactly one of the reasons uh, because they are again um, ingraining their values and their brands and namings inside the young people's minds, so that when they can afford it. Uh, you know what's going to come up in their in their head. Yeah, I think many advertisers are still learning about like the tone of voice, uh, like the, the the Coke ad on Twitch that's been rolling a lot. It's it's so tone deaf that mm. uh, they will probably look at it in a quarterly meeting in three months and figure out like let's not do exactly that thing again. Uh, but I mean, eventually, like the the big ad, ad spenders will learn mm. they have to embrace the memes yeah oh yeah, yeah. that's where, where the young people uh that's what the young people like these days um cool <laughs> <laughs> all right let's uh let's move on to uh our, our third topic of today which is uh facebook or slash meta 
I still wonder if I say Facebook. It's, it still feels weird. Uh, it's still Facebook and will be Facebook for a long time. So That's exactly what we were talking about. I mean, Facebook has been around for years and that's exactly how brands are working. Like Gucci has been around for years. You're going to grow up and you will feel the need to buy a Gucci bag. <laughs> Already feel the need based on our discussion, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, by the way, has Gucci paid us for that? Tell him, man. Sure. Tell him. Anyway, so Facebook Meta and haptic gloves. So uh, since its acquisition of Oculus in, I believe, 2014, Facebook has secretly, maybe not secretly, but at least uh, behind the scenes, been working on haptic glove technology. Um, and so this is haptic means that it's something that actually gives you tactile feedback, which means that if you grab something, you can actually feel it through the gloves that you're wearing, um, which gives me major Ready Player One vibes, which also like the nerd in me is like extremely excited for that stuff. Um, and so it's like, a, it's like a glove and it has little, little pads that it can inflate, which means that you can really feel like whatever you're touching. Um, and it's, it's also acts as like the controller. And so in, I think that the goal would be to have this mass produced so you can use it as a controller for the Oculus. And so you can like get like extremely immersive, Im immersive gameplay. Until now, this this haptic feedback technology is not really new because it, but it was mostly used by military and academics and stuff. Uh, but now, um, Facebook or Meta plans to uh, to make it mass market at a very cheap price point or very cheap. I don't know, no idea how much this would cost. Very uh, cheap. Well, I mean, uh, they've done a great job with Oculus headset, like the the Quest Two, fantastic for the price. Um, and so, if they can do the same for these gloves, um, yeah, it's pretty cool. So, first question, um, like, would you get one? Let's say five hundred dollars for for these gloves. First fit version, Anton. I see you shaking your head. No, no. Um, <laughs> the thing is that uh, last year I. <laughs> that was really a, a big no. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, all right. Um, uh, this is all very much exciting. And uh, but last year I sold my PlayStation VR helmet because the only use case I had for that, and that's the story I keep telling everyone when it comes to v discussing VR, AR, uh, or XR, or whatever you call it, is uh, the only use case was that um, it was always like in, in the original box. And uh, I got it out only when uh, some friends came over and they were like, wow, dude, is that a VR helmet? We should definitely try that out. And then you try it out for like 15 minutes and everybody's, mm, all right, okay, I get it. Let's go do something else. Or maybe just play games, actual Let's games. Drink. Or drink or whatever, or drink and play games. And yeah, and when I realized that like in a year, I thought that maybe VR is not at the point yet of its uh, market availability or whatever uh, to be as popular as consoles or... I don't know, smartphones. But the greater thing here is even though uh, I do not personally want to buy things like that right now, uh, obviously Meta or Facebook is, um, what they are doing is that they're trying to create the next massive platform for the metaverse or whatever, uh, whatever that will turn out because uh, however popular you are, however popular an app uh, you have created, so whatever um, being WhatsApp or Instagram or Facebook, uh, you still lose to the platform holder that is Android and iOS. And that's exactly what they're doing. They're trying to create the next iOS and uh, Android. That's what I think. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I actually have the same experience with PlayStation VR, except mine is still gathering dust. Uh, exact mm -hmm. same use cases. I've maybe used it for a total of three hours or something. Um, and I, I think the problems with this type of gear for consumer use is is exactly the same uh, as as VR uh, installed base and friction of usage. So putting on the gear um, and both are really hard to solve problems. No one will make games for Facebook's power glove unless Facebook pays them a lot of money to do it. Uh, right at this point. I think the more obvious applications of this tech is outside games. And, and I think Facebook is clearly investing kind of pretty far into the future. Uh, it's, it's more like a long-term investment into uh, human-computer interaction research than something that can be commercialized. 
anytime soon. Yeah, well, until everybody has the the VR set or uh, these glove, gloves, uh, like we do have the phones, then uh, it's not uh, that uh, lucrative to get to into this space. And like you said, like <laughs> nobody will try to make games for for haptic gloves unless they are paid for it. Because why well, it doesn't make any sense? The market is not there yet. I mean, this is a this is definitely amazing um, thing to do and to invest in, but it's like too early. If we have this conversation in 10 years, maybe we will see definitely a different technology that um, enables all of this to, to happen. Um, definitely easier, way easier. By the way, I've like really today, I've uh, came across a picture which shows you the, you know, the shipments of virtual reality headsets. And the funny thing is, is that in the first quarter of 2020, uh, Oculus occupied 34% of the whole market and Sony being 18% and others taking up 41. And so for the first quarter of 2021, Oculus already takes up 75% of all shipments while Sony only 5% and others 14%. And also there's some DPVR, uh, which I'm not exactly sure what that is, but still. Um, yeah, 75% of the market. So and uh, that makes you think that uh, while everybody is like VR is not there yet and like brushing off that uh, part of gaming or not gaming, mm. uh, Zuckerberg is actually taking up what one day uh, may work. Yeah, anytime soon. Maybe not soon enough, but you know, mm. they have lots of cash. But I mean, it's, yeah, it's not like Facebook is going to run out of money. Meanwhile, it's it's a it's a long term it's about long term bet, which a corporation can take because uh, yeah yeah why not especially one that has a, a founder who has effective control. So uh, yeah, I agree. So um, let's assume that you know haptic feedback gloves are the future. VR headsets are the future. We're going towards the Ready Player One world, where we're going to be running around in our suits. Um, do you think that like Facebook is building too much of a of a head start right now because um, they seem like they have like everything combined, right? They have the, there's other companies, you know, they're winning in the, the VR game uh, and also they're like winning or, or at least they're trying to do to win in, in the haptic um, game. Like how, how do you see that moving forward? What do you think, Mika? I guess time will tell, but uh, what I do think is that uh, it's like XR hardware won't get a widespread installed base until there is a killer app of some kind with affordable hardware. Well, we, we see the Beat Saber, which is the, the only exception that is actually really popular on the VR stuff, but nothing else. That's the, the only exception that is out there. Hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, like, I would imagine that it's something like Facebook was back in the day hmm. or Instagram was when it got widespread or, or WhatsApp or yeah. any company that Facebook eventually bought, <laughs> uh, like a viral messaging platform or something that has like actual benefit of having this, uh, some type of uh, affordable XR gear. I agree. And are you guys more bullish on the short term on uh, VR or augmented reality AR? Good. Neither. I would say. <laughs> yeah, neither. Yeah. Neither in short, short, in short term. It doesn't make any sense. I mean, a couple of years ago, there was this like AR um, boom. All all the, the apps or games were trying to do an, an AR component into the game just to get featured by Apple because it was a huge thing to do. Well, where are they now? I mean, it's like you're not, you're not hearing anything about the AR in, in games anymore. It's just... Uh, yeah. Even Niantic uh, has actually... Um, has not made another successful game after Pokemon Go. Because mm. yeah. they have recently closed the Harry Potter thing, right? Yeah, but because the game was crap. I mean, seriously. Yeah, but still, <laughs> I mean, uh, you had killer app for that. And still, um, nothing happened after that. I mean, you, need to, you need to match the, the AR uh, with the proper IP. The Pokemon Go does like check all the boxes. The Harry Potter IP... Not at all. I mean, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, and come on, like Pokemon Go, it, it's a, it's a geocaching game. It's not a exactly. It, it's, yeah. it's not a VR or AR game. It's it's about the map. Um, mm. Yeah, and the, the first first thing I, I I did in Pokemon Go was just turn off the AR. 
<laughs> just yeah. like tried it like two or three times, then they're just yeah, the it. AR is the marketing gimmick, <laughs> and the game is not about the AR. So yeah. I think people sometimes forget about that. Yeah. Which, by the way, uh, says something to the guys who are making blockchain games because <laughs> um, uh, I'm not being. No, it's coming. No, I, I mean, I'm not being bearish or anything at all. Uh, I'm just saying that when there is a new technology and there is some kind of hype around, around it, right? The same was for VR and AR, and people were trying to market their games with that. But at the core of every successful product in, uh, in the gaming market is a good game and not the technology behind it. Or the motivation of the players, basically. I mean, I'm not sure if you can compare the VR and AR to blockchain games that much. I had this conversation with my my friend uh, who worked with me at Pixel Federation, and they um, they launched the VR game well like six years ago, which obviously was too soon <laughs> or too early, and never got anything back. And then he's he's also very skeptical about uh, any blockchain uh, projects uh, because he's comparing it to the VR. It's like not sure if that's a fair comparison, honestly. I'm just saying that I'm not like comparing the technology uh, itself. I'm just saying that whenever you have something new, mm -hmm. uh, technology-wise, you have to be quite honest with yourself whether you're using that as a like a selling feature mm -hmm. for the product for the for the major product. And games are still the major product. I hope in the gaming industry. Uh, or so does it bring something um, uh, changing the core of the game or not? Hmm. There is this term, it's called a uh, skeuomorphic. And it's a term used uh, when you have new technology, initially it gets used to do the existing things in a new way. So if you look at the first websites, first websites were basically like a magazine where you could scroll through, right? It's just like doing the old thing yeah. with this new technology. And so that is that is something that's being done skeuomorphic or, or it is, it's, it's skeuomorphism. And so um, I agree that right now, a lot of you know people are thinking, okay, how would I build an existing game on the blockchain? And like, do I even need a blockchain for that? And they're trying to do that and it doesn't work. Um, and that again is, is skeuomorphism. But if you look at these breakout successes on in free-to-play uh, and social games, these were all games that were not possible um, before this this new type of technology. And 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 that like five years or three years before they were made, people like couldn't have couldn't even imagine them. And so I think this term is re really relevant in the discussion around blockchain games as well. I think we're going to see games that you know a lot of probably like a lot of industry incumbents wouldn't even call games right like some people are, are doing this just as a job they're not even having fun um this is not a game um but i think that this definition will, will just change um and the games that will be popular probably um same with vr right they're, they're, we just can't imagine yet how, the, how they look mm. yeah yeah cool all right um so yeah, that, that's it for today. We've covered all the topics. We've already done our bold predictions uh, in the beginning. So uh, so yeah, that's everything. Thank you, Anton, Mika, Matei, for your great insights and uh, and your, your fun laughs. I always enjoy having you guys on. Um, yeah, listener, go ahead, man. <laughs> we made it in an hour. Yeah, we did within the hour. I'm, I'm, already, I'm, I'm proud of that. That's always my goal. Um, cool. All right. So uh, listener, thank you very much for listening. Hope you enjoyed. Uh, if you have any feedback or comments, join our Discord and you can join the conversation there. And with that, this was the Metacast and we hope to speak to you in the next episode. Cheers. Cheers.